Welcome to the show that gets Christians thinking about faith and politics. Get ready to challenge the status quo, expand your imagination, and tackle controversy head on. Let's stand together at the intersection of faith and freedom. It's time for the Libertarian Christian Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. I am your host, Doug Stewart, and today I'm going to share with you an episode where I was actually the guest. I was on the Take Human Action PA Mises Caucus live stream probably about a month ago now that this is going to air, and it was talking about my background, how I got into working with LCI, what are some of the things that we've been doing. We talk about Freedom Fest, and by the time you actually hear this, Freedom Fest will have come and gone, and we will have done great things there. So you can certainly go to libertarianchristians.com to find out what was happening at Freedom Fest, and you'll certainly hear more from us there because we did some breakouts and were able to record those. So anyway, this is a conversation I had on the PA Mises Caucus Take Human Action live stream a few weeks ago. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Take Human Action podcast, Pennsylvania. This is episode 51, and it's been a while since I've been here, but I'm Jacob Daniel Winograd, and I'm joined by my co-host and the one who's been helping keeping the show afloat while I've been kind of on hiatus dealing with a lot of my own stuff, my good friend Calvin. So, Calvin, how are you doing, man? It's been a while since we've been on this together. Yeah, I've been keeping the lights on, so to speak. Not only is it very bright in here, but also been keeping the show going while Jacob's been getting started with the Libertarian Christian Institute, which I'm sure we'll be getting into shortly, as well as the adventures or misadventures we've been up to in the past few weeks since the last time we were on. So we'll get into that as well. Yeah. No, it's been a lot of transitions over the past year. I mean, I had my fourth child, started the new podcast with LCI and things in the LPPA have been crazy as well. I know that's kind of what we wanted to do at the onset here was first kind of, I mean, first of all, I apologize to you guys that we had a two week hiatus. I had Calvin was on vacation and I had things lined up that didn't work out. And so it just worked out that we had a break and now we're back. We've been doing a lot and we wanted to take a little bit of time here at the beginning before we have our guest join us for tonight to just talk about the things that we've been doing as a caucus, as a party, both Calvin and I individually, and then also what other people have been doing as well. It's been, I can't remember the last time I was on this show, but probably a major change for me that's happened is that I'm now the chair of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania's social media. And Calvin is on that committee with me as well. And so him and I are kind of not only now spearheading together this podcast, but we're now also spearheading together the LPPA social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, and all of that. So I guess, I don't know if that's worth talking about a little bit, maybe, what we're doing with the social media, as far as like what our goals are and stuff, maybe people would be interested in hearing that. What do you think? So, I mean, I'll keep talking for a little bit and then I'll get your thoughts too, Calvin. I mean, when... We kind of had a little bit of shakeup after convention and our old chair stepped down and then I took over the reins. We've been trying to implement more technology because before it was just like one person kind of doing everything. And now we have things that allow us to schedule posts, post to multiple platforms at once. And we have more than one person on the account now. And we've been trying to, I guess, just be more active. And Calvin's done a really good job at generating, I mean, you've been coming up with these like posts that like this day in history, sort of, that have been really good. So I don't know if you want to take a chance, just take a little bit to talk about what you've been doing there and maybe some of the ones that you're especially proud of. We've had some of them that were, that had a very good reach and impact, I think. Yeah, sure. So basically I gave it some thought at the beginning when I joined the social media committee and after the first month or so, I mean, I, there was always a focus in there to the degree possible to try to incorporate events and news in Pennsylvania in our feed as much as possible. But the more I thought about it when it comes to kind of issues in other states, did I lose you there? No, I just put you on. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not used to that. <laughs> anyway. We're not used yeah, to the so one being asked issues, questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm used to being the one asking questions. So when it comes to issues in other states, 
basically, we're not going to be the most up to date on that. We're not going to be the most up to date on keeping track of issues federally. Like there's accounts that I really like personally, like LP National has been doing a great job. Like Clint Russell has really been on fire recently with his social media. So when it comes to those kinds of issues, generally speaking, I like sharing content like theirs to cover that stuff and focus on our areas of in Pennsylvania, like 95 is a perfect example. We were, we were sharing tweets on that to highlight what's going on there. So that's one half of it. The other half of it is thinking about what can we do that's unique that nobody else is doing. And that was part of the inspiration for today in history. So what I'm doing is I'm looking ahead at the calendar and saying, okay, it's the anniversary of, I don't know, the building of the Berlin Wall, or it's so-and-so's birthday. Like, I think we just did John Hosper's, I think it was the day he died in his case, but in other cases we'll do like birthdays or something, just some date of significance in history, either for a specific figure, like historical figure or figure of significance to the Libertarian Party, or to take a topic of interest and expand upon it. But we're not going about it from the angle of like, this is what happened. Isn't that interesting? I mean, there's definitely a place for that. And a lot of camps do a good job with it. It's just not what we're trying to do on the Libertarian Party account. So the argument always is that we have the winning issues. We have the issues on our side because we have the consistent philosophy that the Democrats and the Republicans don't have. And history shows it. Well, if history shows it, how do we know history shows it? So we're, there's a lot of articles that do things like that already, but we're trying to do it in a consistent format. Today in history, this happened, and we're trying to show repetitively these kinds of patterns keep happening. It might have been 100 years ago, but it doesn't mean the same kind of thing isn't happening again now, and we can learn from that. Right, yeah. And, you know, there's definitely a balancing act with the kind of content we want to come up with because... On one hand, I do think the focus of state affiliate accounts should be to kind of talk about things going on in their state. And I think at the beginning, some people were like, why are you guys talking about so many things that aren't Pennsylvania-centric? And there's, to be fair, there's, I think, plenty of content that is. But I mean, I think we kind of have a dual, like, multi-tiered approach. Some of it's Pennsylvania-focused, and some of it's just like, hey, we need to do things to grow our brand and to also, like, I think that's one of the things that the Mises Caucus, it's what we've always been focused on, is that it's not just enough to, like, talk about the issues. I mean, in terms of, like, legislation and, like, what's going on politically, it's like we also need to go out there and be engaging with what's going on in the culture, be engaging with history, be engaging with current events, and have our voices be heard in all these different things that are going on, because that these are just more opportunities to get our voices in front of the people that we're trying to target, our target audiences, and let them know what our perspectives are on different things. And not everyone's going to be like persuaded to become a libertarian or to vote libertarian just by like hearing what our position is on a certain bill that's coming up or seeing our candidates being promoted. Like that's all good and well, and that needs to be done. But the messaging approach that we're taking now is covering all those different check marks. And so I'm happy about the direction we're going in. Other than that, which was a pretty significant change, is there anything else that that we've been up to as a caucus or that, because I've been out of the loop for a little bit, so you can catch me up. <laughs> I know Actually, we have the Liberty 101 classes coming up uh, yeah, in August, so that might be that. something we should talk we about just, here quick. We just launched our social media today, like like an hour or so before we came on, so I definitely want to share that. So... Jacob, you put the Eventbrite link in the description, correct? I think I did, yes. Okay, if we didn't, we'll get it on there. So I will share that real quick. All right, there we go. So we have our Eventbrite page. It is live for the Liberty 101 Introduction to Libertarian Ideas class at the Solutionary Center, Bajtore Solutionary Center in Philadelphia, PA on August 17th from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. So this is it. This is what we've been planning on doing for months now. It's still a while away, so you have plenty of time to 
do what you need to do to get over here on that Thursday. It is going to be jam-packed. We're covering all these topics, general libertarian principles, inflation, foreign policy, medical freedom, criminal justice, education, the Constitution, the Second Amendment. We're all going to give a crash course on the libertarian stances on those issues in an hour. Now, it's not going to be geared towards someone who is familiar with all these topics already. It's going to be for a audience that is brand new to these ideas. That is our target. We will be doing subsequent Liberty One-on-One classes at later dates. And we're also hoping to follow it up with Liberty 201 classes that might be focused on like more advanced education on specific areas like the libertarian stance on the Constitution. We could have an hour just on the Constitution. So this is only the beginning of what we are talking about here. And I won't go through all the details here. The only other thing I'll say right now is we just launched our social media. So please follow us and share our pinned tweet at Liberty 101 class. That is this brand new. We just created it now. So please go ahead and share and help us get the word out about the class and definitely sign up at the Eventbrite link. If you could attend, it's totally free. So come out and hang out with us. Cool. Yeah, good stuff going on. Then that kind of materialized pretty organically, I think, after we had a conversation with Maj at the LPPA convention back in March. And when I was there, I was kind of doing two things. I was representing like my county. I was there as a member voting on issues. And then I was also there kind of representing the Libertarian Christian Institute and handing out beer koozies and stickers and books, including giving a book to Maj. And that, I think, gives a pretty good segue to bringing our guest in now. I think we've kind of shared any relevant updates that we have in terms of things that have been going on. So the guest for tonight is Doug Stewart, who is the CEO of the Libertarian Christian Institute. So he's going to be joining us to have a conversation about his background and things that he wants to share with us about his journey to libertarianism, the Libertarian Christian Institute itself, and then also libertarian, the Libertarian Christian Institute will be at Freedom Fest in July, and we're doing a couple sessions there that are pretty exciting. So I'm going to bring him into the stream now. Hey, Doug, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you? Nice to meet you, Calvin. Yeah, I think we talked at the event in New York. That's right. For a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, so good yeah. to see you again. Yes, that's, that's true. We, the LCI was also a sponsor of the Take Human Action Tour, so which is also in the show notes. So, Doug, you are a fellow Pennsylvania libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're excited to have you on here tonight. And even though I, I know all this already, our listeners don't. So I want to hear your story again about how you became a libertarian. We do this with all our guests. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. libertarian podcasting 101. It's kind of like we're in a, a meeting. It's like if you're five minute little <laughs> how, how I became a recovering statist, right? So <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and share with us how you became a libertarian. And then also, I guess, like after that, how you and Norm got involved together and turned LCI into what it is today. And yeah. LCI is. Yeah, right. So, well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate this. We always like to spread the word of how we make the Christian case for a free society. And we also, of course, want people to join us in that endeavor. My mother always told me that I was a contrarian. So I think I was naturally a fit for being a libertarian. At the same time, those two obviously aren't entirely synonymous because you can be a contrarian and not actually be a libertarian. But my journey was really kind of a post-college time frame where I was sort of still discovering what it was that I what it was I believed. I didn't quite believe all the things that my Republican conservative family believed in church upbringing and stuff. And so when I was, when I was exploring, I listened to talk radio and over, over time I listened to a talk radio host who says he's a libertarian at heart. It's Glenn Beck. For those who have actually heard that before. And he would have Ron Paul on when it came to, when it came to talking about things about the economy. And at some point I was also and enrolled in seminary and my theological leanings were getting a little bit more broadened a bit. And I realized that the kinds of things that 
the kind of policy and political solutions that a lot of the authors that I was reading just didn't sit right with me. And part of the reason was they were always welfare state type stuff. They're very much leftist in that regard. And so I was like, yeah, something doesn't sit right here. But I didn't really know exactly what I needed to do to sort of figure out like, well, why? Why doesn't this sit right? And after some time, I kind of realized that I need to learn some economics. Well, guess what? Because I was familiar with Glenn Beck and who he had on as guests and he had Ron Paul on, I was like, well, where does Ron Paul stand on on economics and on the economy and that kind of thing? And so that led me to things like the Mises Institute and Fee and some of the Austrian school related stuff that eventually brought me to understand a libertarian viewpoint from mostly an Austrian perspective And along with that was my developing friendship with Norman Horn, who had founded LibertarianChristians.com in very late 2008, very early 2009, as more of a personal blog that eventually developed into more of a like group of writers. And then, of course, the Libertarian Christian Institute as late as, let's see, we incorporated in 2015. So that's kind of the Cliff Notes version of how I became a libertarian. I don't know if you want to follow up or dive in a little bit there. Yeah, so Libertarian Christian Institute, as you said, Norm had already had LibertarianChristians.com. What was the vision for LCI when you guys set out? I mean, what? Yeah. And have you created that vision or is there still more to go? I mean, what was the, Yeah. I guess like the, uh, I don't know, like your guiding principles and sort of like what you want to see LCI be? Yeah. Well, I would say if you really want to get to the heart of what it was that LCI was offended to do. I mean, I'm going to carry that torch as as much as I can. I, you should probably interview Norman to get a real heart for where he is on it. But I will tell you that as being involved early on with Libertarian Christian Institute, it was really more about how can we sort of force multiply the efforts to promote liberty from a Christian perspective. And the advice that Norman was getting from, frankly, a lot of people at the Mises Institute was like, you need to start something here. Like, there needs to be an organization around your ideas. And at some point, it was suggested that you form a nonprofit so you can get donations and start investing in other people to kind of do that work. So it kind of culminated in 2014. And then 2015 and 2016, we did actual in-person conferences in Austin, Texas, which is where Norman was living at the time. So it was convenient for him to organize it. That was pretty much the only place it probably could have been held because that's where he was. And we had, I think it was over 100 on each one of those attend. A lot of them were from Texas, but you know, to have 100 in attendance at your very first conference, I was going to say seminar, but it's conference, actually really good. It was well over 100. It wasn't just like 101 or whatever. So it was really, really fun to get together in person with a lot of other libertarian Christians. So the vision is to promote the Christian case for free society. And I think it was founded out of this theological need to, or this need in the church to have theological consistency and have that consistency be something that when you espouse your Christian beliefs, whether it's evangelical, whether it's more reformed, whether it's whatever it might be, the sort of orthodox Christianity that most Americans are familiar with when I say those words, it's very incongruous with a lot of the left and the right's political views. So the to be theological, to follow Jesus, I would say, would also mean that you're probably not going to vote for war and you're not going to vote for candidates who are warmongers. And you're also not going to vote for the Bernie Sanders of the world, Jacob. No, it's all right. You're forgiven. Uh, You're not going to vote for the, hey, I voted for John McCain. Shame on me, right? He didn't win, so I guess I can't be blamed. So neither can you, right? I voted uh, for no, Hillary so, Clinton, so I also voted for a Republican once. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, so, like, I think there's an inconsistency in a lot of Christians' views on politics, and they take up issues. And so, for instance, you'll have a Christian say, well, abortion is wrong because it's murdering a child, even if that child is still unborn. So that means I need to vote to make it illegal. And so that is that is a Christian view. If you're a Republican, you can also say, well, people need to be fed because there's all this excess wealth out there. And so we need to make sure that the government makes sure that people are fed. So we're going to have a welfare state. And so you'd have people on the left or violence is wrong. We need to confiscate guns. <laughs> like you have all these positions that are like, they're the positions that people are familiar with out there, but they're not actually consistent with Christian principles. If you actually understand the non-aggression principle, if you understand the nature of the state, especially, that's probably one really big one for me and align that with economics. 
And you start to realize that you are advocating for something that's actually not Christian. You might be okay in some sense of like, oh, well, this candidate's going to move us in the right direction or whatever. But, you know, in principle, they're, they're not espousing Christian principles. Right. Yeah, it would be really convenient if there was a lot of, like, a, I don't know, some kind of pamphlet or book that had answers to these kind of questions know, that right? might have about libertarianism and the compatibility yeah. with it. So, yeah, uh, you think LCI might ever do something like that? Yeah, there's a lot of people whose faith is seeking the freedom to, to be real. I got a copy of it. Oh, look, I get, see, can I match it up with the uh, oh, oh, oh. background? Yeah, there we go. There it is. The colors yeah, are off. It's, of course. it's on his background audio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm holding it up. So, you know, you can't see it. But what it is, is it's this bright yellow book that is not very long. It's called Faith Seeking Freedom, Libertarian Christian Answers to Tough Questions. The idea behind this book is that <clears throat> because LCI's mission is to equip Christians to promote a free society. And so this book was written for libertarian Christians to have something to look at and to work through reading and understanding in a simple way, 102, in this case, I think it's 102. Yep, 102 questions that are the most common ones that people ask about libertarianism from a Christian point of view. Not every single question is going to be like faith-based. In particular, there might be some questions that are like, well, what about this thing about economics? And we'll give an answer that's congruent with Christian faith, of course. But there's a lot of Christian questions in here. Like, well, why should I care about politics as a Christian? Because isn't the gospel all about going to heaven after you die? What does it mean to be involved in politics? That kind of thing. We have a chapter on abortion. So the idea here is that a Christian can actually look at this and have answers ready to give to people who will question them in this way. This book has also functioned, of course, as a a primer on what it is that a Christian libertarian or a libertarian Christian would actually believe about certain topics. And so this is a great book to give to people who are still questioning and being like, because obviously not every person is going to be able to just espouse the perfect answers that are in this inerrant book, of course. That's a that's inside, an inside joke. That's a, <laughs> yeah, that's a deep inside joke. Hopefully Gregory's listening. <laughs> so I'll give you some of these questions here. Gregory is one of the other PA natives. Let's see. Politics isn't a gospel issue, so why should I be concerned about politics? Question two, Jesus said his kingdom was not of this world. Isn't political engagement being concerned with this world? Politics just seems like a distraction from the real mission of the church. So you can clearly see that like first three questions are like leading you through what does it mean to understand a biblical view of government, a Christian view of government. Chapter two is what makes somebody a libertarian? Well, okay, that's not explicitly a Christian answer, but we're going to give an answer from a Christian perspective. So what the Libertarian Christian Institute really is, is it's the like premier organization out there in the liberty movement that says, here's the case for a free society, for libertarianism, from a Christian worldview, from a Christian perspective. And what that does for people who don't know we exist is it gives us something to be like, oh, wow, there's this organization out there that, that can espouse the views that I believe but they don't have to actually like tap into all these other organizations. Not that those organizations are bad to, to sort of be like, oh, okay, well, I can believe this and I believe that and I believe this. Well, let's see. I got I to gotta make sure that that's congruent with my Christian faith. When we promote things, when we equip Christians to promote a free society, we're doing that inherently by what we do. And they can trust us because they know that we're, we're believing Christians and we follow Jesus and our allegiance is Christ alone. And there we go. That's what they need to know is that there are solid Christians out there leading the pack, writing really in-depth articles, creating great content that is like either in podcasts or other shows, being engaged on social media. And we are already, I mean, even from the beginning, because of Norman's connections and a lot of the people who support what we're doing, who aren't even Christians, they give us a pedigree that really is sort of unmatched in the liberty movement. Yeah. Now, it's always funny to me, like sometimes when I am out there, I'm either promoting my podcast or LCI or just making connections to Christianity when I'm talking about libertarianism or politics. And people will just be like, why can't you just focus on libertarianism? Why do you got to mix all this Jesus stuff in? And I'll be like, well, listen, it, like, I mean, it's not, to me, it's not Jesus stuff. Like, this is like something I've oriented my life around. So I think you're misunderstanding, you know, what Christianity is. But like, it's not like you're, you're adding fries say, to your order. Right, yeah. But like, okay, let's get to the heart of the issue. It's like you're not a Christian. And so maybe what I'm saying or what LCI is saying is not like super appealing to you. But it's like, okay, but if you're a libertarian, 
you should care about promoting a free society. And unless you're living in some fantasy world where you think Christianity disappears from the face of the planet, then wouldn't you want to encourage Christian libertarians to do what they're doing to promote libertarianism to other Christians? Like It seems to me to only yeah. be, even if you were the staunchest atheist, it seems to me that would only be in your yeah. self-interest yeah. to encourage what things like what LCI is doing. So I, mean, I feel like even someone who's listening to this who is agnostic or atheist or some other religion, there'd be value in them reading this book so that if they're talking to Christians who are not libertarians, they might be able to point out things that they remember from the book or just give the book out to their yeah. Christian friends and family and stuff. So Yeah, I think you're right. And what we've learned is there are a lot of, there's a lot of Christians out there in the world. There's a lot of Christians or even people who just call themselves Christians. I mean, we can debate whether or not someone's like a true believer or whatever, but like there's a lot of people out there in, in the United States that are influenced by or heavily by Christian belief, whether it's Catholic, whether it's Protestant, whatever it is, they're influenced and they either identify as Christians, they call it, or, or they are heavily influenced, right? They need to be reached with the message of liberty. And if all you're going to do is promote liberty from, let's say, an objectivist framework, right? Or you're promoting liberty from the standpoint of atheism. Well, you're not going to reach them. Like, they're going to be like, like, unless you kind of neutralize your view of libertarianism as if you weren't an atheist or as if you weren't something that is initially antithetical to someone's Christian's faith, you're really not going to reach them. And if your argument for liberty entails being atheistic, then you're also obviously not going to reach the Christian. I mean, you might reach a Christian who's doubting and might want to explore libertarianism as an alternative, libertarianism and atheism as an alternative because they're trying to make sense of the world or whatever, but like you're not going to actually attract, you know, you're not going to attract the pastor who's solid in his faith and doesn't realize that he's inconsistent in his views on politics or something like that. So there are a lot of Christians out there. They need to be reached. They need to be they need to be reached in a way that will appeal to them. And so this book, I mean, honestly, even if someone who is an atheist isn't thinking, all right, I'm going to figure out how to reach other Christians that I know in my life. Like, let's say my sister's a Christian. I want to give her this book because I'd rather her be libertarian. She's a Republican. Let's say you don't even have that. This book actually teaches you libertarianism. It just lets you understand that we're making the case as Christians. And so it might actually convince an atheist to realize that like, oh, libertarianism isn't inherently atheistic because the movement itself is actually not as atheistic as some people might want it to believe. So there's a lot of really good material in there, not just for the sake of saying, all right, I want to give this to my Christian sister who's not yet a libertarian, but also it's to win others. And so we, we've actually, I mean, like I said before, there's a handful of people who are able to like promote what we're doing. I mean, the endorsements on this we've got from, who do we have here? Well, the first few are obviously Christians and well-known in, in there, but we have Stefan Kinsella, Walter Block, Gene Epstein. They're not Christians. They don't profess to be Christians. And I think two of them, if not all three of them, profess to be atheists. So they see what we're doing is really valuable. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Hi, everyone. This is Alex Bernardo. If you're enjoying this podcast, you may want to check out the other shows in the Christians for Liberty Network, such as my podcast, the Protestant Libertarian Podcast, where I explore the relationship between biblical studies, theology, political philosophy, history, and economics. The Christians for Liberty Network is dedicated to bringing a variety of content you love, just like what you're hearing on this episode right now. Go ahead and finish this great episode. Then you can go and check out the Protestant Libertarian Podcast. Hello, everyone. It's Doug from the Libertarian Christian Podcast. You might notice already that this recording sounds quite a bit different from usual. In fact, it probably sounds pretty crappy. Well, I'm doing this to show you something pretty amazing. As you might know, the guys over at Podsworth Media have been producing my show for several years, quite a while, hundreds of episodes. And now they have a brand new online app for taking rough recordings like this one and making them sound a whole lot cleaner and a lot more listenable in just a few easy clicks. So here are some of the core features. They remove background noise. It reduces plosives, which is really handy for me because I often forget to put my pop filter on before I do a YouTube video. I often forget to put my pop filter on before I do a YouTube video because pop filters look terrible when you're on camera. It fixes clipping. It removes clicks and pops. It fixes clipping. It removes clicks and pops. It evenly levels dialogue so that you don't have somebody talking really quietly. And then somebody talking really loud because they're too close to the mic or too far away from the mic. 
and evenly levels dialogue so that you don't have somebody talking really quietly and then somebody talking really loud because they're too close to the mic or too far away from the mic. How do you use it? It's easy. You go to podsworth.com, you click get started. And because you're a listener to one of the Libertarian Christian Institute's podcasts, you can get 50% off your first order by entering the promo code LCI50. That's LCI50, and you will get 50% off your first order. If you are doing anything like a podcast, a video, a sermon, an audiobook, anything that's spoken word, you want to use podsworth.com and clean up your audio to be even more professional and polished. You want to use podsworth.com and clean up your audio to be even more professional and polished. The other book that's in your background, Doug, which the audio mm-hmm. listeners can't see, but it's instead of a bright yellow, it's this nice candy colored mm-hmm. red. Yummy. Little, a little dollar sign with candy in it. I was actually part of the meetings where we were uh, at least discussing different book cover ideas. And this is the one I think everyone kind of thought was their favorite. The book yeah. title is Strangers with Candy. What is this book about? Yeah. And why did LCI decide to get behind the author? What's the author's name? I can't even read it. Art, Art, uh, Art Carden. Art Carden. Yeah. yeah. Why, why did they get behind Art and then publish this book? What's it talking about? Yeah. So the subtitle for Strangers with Candy is Observations from the Ordinary Business of Life. Now, Art Carden is an economist who happens to, in fact, I just recorded an episode with him today to talk about this book. He's been on the show. This will be seven times. He's a great friend of LCI. He's a Christian. He's an economist. He teaches at Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. He was previously at Rhodes College in Memphis. He's actually going to be at Freedom Fest. We're going to talk about that a little bit. He's going to be at Freedom Fest signing copies of the book and as an author. What this book is, is there's a handful of things I can say about it. It's a collection of essays that he wrote for various publications and he decided he wanted to put them all into one and he said, hey, would you guys be interested in publishing this? And I was like, yeah, send me the manuscript. And so I sent this and Art and I have communicated over the years in a number of ways. And he he and I share a very similar vision of the world or I should say reaction to our existence in the world, which is we are filled with wonder when we see just how much a free society has produced and not just produces in like physical stuff, but just, I mean, that's part of it too. But the ability to connect, I mean, we were jokingly lamenting how laborious it was to set up the equipment to have a conversation on podcasts. Wouldn't life be better if we were living 200 years ago? Well, no, life wouldn't be better because we'd be out burying our fifth child because a lot of your children died 200 years ago. That's why you had big families, right? And so people have this nostalgic view of the past. And so he's saying, hey, we're going to observe the world around us and I'm going to give you an economist's take on it. And you're going to be taught how to think like an economist. It's not like a procedural kind of way. It's more like, hey, here's something that you might want to think about when you want to think you're doing well when you go out on Black Friday and buy a lot of stuff. (laughs) And he ties it into understanding God's world and how God is, God has created a world with people. And we need to understand what that means with respect to things like scarcity, with respect to things like choice, how do people respond to incentives? So this is an economics book in one sense. It's not really a textbook. It's probably high school level or a little bit higher. It's a little over, what do I got here? Three, almost 300 pages. And it's really, really great. He, he has a line in there, you could probably read one chapter while waiting to buy your milk at the grocery store or read the whole book while waiting to renew your driver's license. So that was sort of the the idea that he had with respect to like the length of it. Like it's not like in theory, you could jump around. I mean, you probably don't. There's five sections. You probably don't want to jump around outside each section, but it's not from A to Z kind of logic per se. But anyway, the book is on sale now on Amazon. In fact, the copy that I have, I don't know if people are actually watching. I guess we're live streaming on purpose. So The copy that I actually have still says not for resale banded on the front of it because I don't actually have a copy that I would sell somebody or give to somebody. This is the proofs that we got. And so it's literally hot off the press. I don't even have my own copy, like a real genuine bona fide copy yet. So they're still in the mail. Apparently, our sister got hers when she ordered it on Amazon yesterday. I guess it came in a day. So she must live near one of those printing centers. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I like books like that. They work well with my particular blend of ADHD and and stuff. I don't like books you have to read linear way. I like when I can jump around and stuff, but um, yeah, which faith is is also a really good book. I kind of like that too. This is also a good book that you give like a high schooler 
because there's, I mean, he talks about things like Spider-Man, the Mandalorian, like there, there's all kinds of common interest kinds of everyday things that are in there. So cool. So, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a great part of what LCI is doing is, you know, whether it's podcasts, whether it's things online and now there's books in the work and stuff that are out there and giving people resources for like libertarians to just understand more about economics and give good arguments and then resources to give to people to help further that, those ideas and that kind of message. I want to get into, I guess, more, this is where I think Calvin will come in with some of his questions because uh, we talked earlier about how the book Faith Seeking Freedom and what LCI does, generally speaking, can be valuable even to like someone who's an atheist or agnostic because you guys do just promote libertarianism. So it's not always going to be explicitly Christian and there can be value there and value in bringing Christians to understand the value of libertarianism and free markets, things like that. But now let's get into maybe some of the, I don't know, qualms or objections that Christians have when they're being confronted with these ideas. I mean, and that takes different shapes and forms. Like sometimes it's going to be specific passages. Sometimes it's going to be political allegiances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's going to be just like a misapprehension about what libertarianism is. It's like, oh, you guys are a bunch of pot-smoking hippies or mm-hmm. libertarians are necessarily pro-abortion. Or There's a lot of different reasons why I can imagine a Christian would be hesitant or perhaps even against libertarianism. So I guess maybe... When you're starting out a conversation with someone, if they have objections, what are the common objections you see? How do you respond to them? And then maybe, Calvin, you can jump in after that and present some of the questions you have that kind of fit in with yeah. us. All right. I, th- I, I, think the, I think for me, the it depends, obviously, on who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to somebody who's a little more conservative and might be a little bit more patriotic, they might have an affinity for their nation state in the, you know, we all understand what that means with respect to like our friends who are, you know, really into patriotism or war or whatever. And they think that they're liberty minded on people on the right, especially they think that they're liberty minded. And so the issue is getting them to realize they're not being consistent and realize that the, their objection to, well, we need a strong defense. Otherwise we're all going to be bombed by Muslims or we're going to be attacked by China or whatever it might be. Right. They see things as, like that strong defense is something that we need to have in order to have freedom. And that's not really true. We know that. That doesn't mean that strong defense doesn't have some place in some context, but you have to kind of work that out. I think for the most part, you have conservative Christians who want to make things illegal that are immoral. I'll give you an example. We're in Pennsylvania, and apparently it's not the unforeseeable future that pot will be legalized for recreationally used recreational use. Right now, it's legal for medicinal use. There's all kinds of dispensaries around that you can get stuff. And my daughter, who is in elementary school, middle school, actually, she kind of like, what? I'm going to make that. But people are dying from it. And it's because she learned that there are people who abuse drugs, right? And so you have this idea that's probably promulgated in government schools and schools that are like that in terms of their thinking, they think the state is an okay thing. And they have this mindset that like, if it's something that's really wrong and society sort of agrees that it's wrong, that we need to make it illegal. And they don't realize that the illegality doesn't mean, or immoral doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that it has to be illegal. Or for that matter, if you're on the left, if it's moral, we have to make sure it happens through force of some kind. So it's good to feed your neighbor who's hungry because you have more than you, a little bit more than you need and you could you can afford to give him some. Or you're really wealthy and you can afford to pay more tax or whatever. Oh, so that we're going to make you do it, right? So you have Christians on the right in some ways sort of trying to enforce the first half, the golden rule, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And you have the Christians on the left sort of enforcing the second half, the golden rule, or not golden rule, sorry, the greatest commandment, uh, second greatest commandment, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And both are sort of a misapplication. Yeah, that makes sense. Calvin, do you want to jump in here and talk about some of the things that you've been wanting to ask? I know you had some questions for Doug after you guys met and you got that book at the Mises Caucus event back in what was April first. April, yeah, April first. Yeah. So that's easy yeah, for, it to do, for me to remember. Yeah, and it's not a joke, and we aren't <laughs> fools. <laughs> right. Exactly. So. 
Yeah, just in my conversations with Christians who are not libertarians, there have been three points that have made me think the most that people have brought up to basically look at liberty or libertarianism from the Christian perspective and has raised some questions in their mind. So the first one, I know Jacob has talked about extensively, so we don't need to go into it again tonight, but Romans 13. So Mm -hmm. maybe you can link to your episode on that in the comments, Jacob, after this. (laughs) Obligatory. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's great. Jacob is really, I I have to promote Jacob's view on Romans 13 because he really goes through it pretty solidly. And I think even if like, okay, there's like a handful of ways to look at Romans 13 from a libertarian Christian perspective, and you can handle those differently. There's actually a book out there that we don't, we actually have the rights to the audio book called Call to Freedom, and it's why you can be a Christian and libertarian. And one of the chapters deals with Romans 13, and there's like a handful of ways that Jason Huey does it. But one thing I like about Jacobs is that it is very, the rhetoric that he uses appeals very much to people who take seriously what the scriptures say. And it's a libertarian view. It's not an explicitly anarchist view of Romans 13. And so, and by that, I mean, you don't have to like completely deny the, that the state exists as a gang of thieves writ large. You can still hold in your mind a proper role of governance or a prop, even a proper role of the state if you have to believe that and can be convinced by Jacob's view of Romans 13, which is very valuable when it comes to uh, reaching others with the message of liberty. I appreciate giving me credit, but half of my view comes from Carrie and Greg. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like I have to give them credit as well. Although I think what I did is I took Carrie and Greg, who are also LCI members, like to explain things in like the most philosophical way possible. And I like to explain things in the, the most layman way possible. So... Um, yeah, no, that's great. I mean, that's probably why I appreciate yours because, and I don't even know if I really heard Carrie Gregory like explicitly talk about Romans 13 in any particular case other than just maybe personal conversation. But that's why, I mean, obviously that's why I'm attracted to the content that you put out on your show. So, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah, that was one of the first episodes I watched of yours as well and I, I very much enjoyed it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, second point, another one that we've heard, but I think it still bears mentioning the render unto Caesar. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the idea behind render unto Caesar, what is Caesar's render under God, what is God's is really kind of funny to me because it's an example of somebody proof texting and saying, you know what? It's sort of like when someone takes Romans 13 and says, well, Romans 13 says to, to submit to the governing authorities. End of story. Like as if that's literally the only sentence in the book of Romans or something. Right. Like there's no sentences before it. There's no sentences after it. It's just the Bible says these words. Okay. That's poor hermeneutics to do it that way. Right. And so you, we obviously know that we have to go to the context. And there's a handful of ways that you could sort of interpret render unto Caesar that are compatible with and even espouse a libertarian viewpoint. But I think what's unique about what Jesus is doing is he is avoiding a trap that they're trying to set up for him. And I take the view on render unto Caesar because the story goes, I should have looked it up before I had it ready here to kind of read or whatever. But the story that is told is that Jesus is like, well, whose inscription is on this coin? And it's like, oh, well, it's Caesar's. Okay, well, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. I think it could be read this way that he's just sort of like, well, if Caesar thinks this is his, just give it to him. Because the Jewish view and the Christian view is that the earth is the Lord's. The earth is God's. God owns everything. And so if Caesar is under this impression that because his inscription is on the coin, then let him have it. But what really we need to do is give everything to God. This isn't Jesus saying there's a realm of the, of the nation or there's a realm of the world and then there's this realm of God and so I can have dual allegiances. That's ridiculous. Like, I, I don't even know how we're hearing Jesus talk about anything except paying a tribute tax, Right. I mean, there's more to that whole thing, but like to use render unto Caesar, which is used to be like, oh, well, I can have my allegiance to, to, to the state or to my nation. And I can also over on this other side, have my allegiance to Jesus and I can be a dual citizen or I can just kind of eat my cake dual, and eat it too, really. Dual citizen. You can only serve one master. It's like, 
It's like the, you need that meme with like the, the space captain who's like sweating and like yeah 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 depressed. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, that's right. Oh, uh, oh boy. Yeah, no, I yeah. think that's the right answer. Obviously, too, that it's it's yeah. like the whole point is that like he gives an answer that leaves the Pharisees astonished. Like they like that literally is how that passage ends. Like the Pharisees leave and they're astonished by his yeah. answer because yeah. they thought they had a slam dunk. It's like either he says you have to pay to Caesar, and then that would piss off a lot of Jewish people who were following him because they didn't have that view. Or if he would have said, don't pay to Caesar, they would have been like, oh, look, he's inciting yeah. civil unrest and disobedience. Yeah. Go arrest him. So it's yeah. like his answer clearly can't just be, like, whatever it says, it clearly can't just be a blanket, like, oh, pay your taxes. Like, it's got to be more sophisticated than that. Jesus is more sophisticated. You have a commenter here that says, use alternate currency. And I'm like, well, yes, of course. And I think in the context of the conversation we're having right now about rendering to Caesar, there's a coin there. Well, we know that the state would love to have control over the money because it pretty much does. It doesn't have control over all of the economy, of course, because we can feel we are free to use alternative currencies so far. But even with like central bank digital currency that is on the horizon will probably happen. The state wants to control everything. And so there is something to be said for Jesus acknowledging that Caesar's inscription is on these coins because Caesar believes he has control over things. And so to use an alternate currency, I don't know if that's what the commenter's intimating here, but to use an alternative currency means to not go the way of Caesar in my mindset here. It's to find a way around what is Caesar doing. And you know what? Fine. If he thinks that that's his, just give it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to bring that concern to rest, hopefully, or at least get people thinking about it. So the last point is a little more nuanced. So I'm curious to hear both your opinions on this. So this started with something that I stated to that, to the people I'm discussing this with. And what I was basically saying was that if we're thinking about the way politics works, today, but really for all time, what happens is with exceptions here and there, you have people who are power hungry, focused on gains on the earth rather than elsewhere. And they're the ones who rise to the top. There's no sense of natural elite whatsoever. Just rulers are few and far between. You have the worst rising to the top. So at a certain point, you have to wonder does it really make sense that we're in this system where we're following the worst of the worst, the unrepentant? And those are the ones who are in charge of us, essentially. So yeah. the counter to that, I basically got was that we should not be judging people. We should be leaving that to God and we should just be focusing on ourselves. And mm-hmm. yeah, it just made me think a little bit because. You know, on on one hand, you don't want to just, you know, have people like that just in a position of power over you. But on the other hand, how much should we be leaving it alone to and just worry about ourselves? That's, yeah. that's basically the argument. Yeah, it's interesting. That's over, it's almost like a reverse moral busybodies argument. It's more like, well, who are we to say that Barack Obama, George Bush and Donald Trump and Joe Biden in as much as he's actually being a president, are actually, you know, to be judged, right? And it's like, those aren't the only words that are in the Gospels. And those are not the only actions that Jesus and the apostles took in the New Testament. And so to boil everything down to do not judge to me seems like, well, okay, fine. I don't need to, like, judge whether or not Donald Trump is truly a Christian. Like, early on, we heard people say that, oh, well, he's a baby Christian. They were defending him as like, well, his views on Christianity are just, I think it was Franklin Graham who said that. Is like, well, you know, he's not going to be a perfect Christian because, you know, he's a baby Christian or whatever. I, in that, on that level of judgment, it's like, no, that's none of my business, like, whatever. But I can judge people by their fruits. I mean, we will know people by their, we will know those who follow Christ by their fruits. And to ignore judgment is to just sort of, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to, I don't know who you're talking about here. And I don't want to put anybody down if they're listening to this, but it's almost like a stick your head in the sand kind of thing. Like, I'm just going to look the other way. Or stick my head in the sand and say, you know what? Yeah, people are bad. Who am I to judge? Those people have power over you. They have power over you in a way that other people in society do not have power over you. And so it's not really a matter of judgment in my mind. It's really a matter of discernment and understanding 
what does it mean to stand up to power in an authentic Christian way, nonviolently, of course, in order to subvert it? Jesus wasn't quiet when the Pharisees were acting up, right? When they were misbehaving, Jesus wasn't, we have the cleansing of the temple scene, right? Like Jesus, he was not like, oh, well, their hearts are wicked and I just am not going to judge them. No, he said, get out of here. He moved them out of the temple pretty aggressively, right? And so it's not like Jesus just let everybody be what they are. We talk about the, uh, what is it? Go and sin no more with uh, the parable of the woman at the well, right? Go and sin no more. Okay, how are you doing that to your politicians? Are you saying to them, go and sin no more in any way? No, you're letting them sin by not judging them? Like, I don't know, that doesn't quite comport with me. Now, it is true in my mind that I think it's Hayek who said the worst get on top, right? It just, this system feeds the people who want to be in power and the, the Orwellian term public servant is there to make sure people think that, oh, well, they're not doing it for the money. Do you really think these people who are doing it are doing it for the money? Like, I actually once, I have a friend who was like, well, we should vote for Donald, this is back in 2015, 2016. We should vote for Donald Trump because he's already wealthy and he's not doing this for the money. And I'm like, none of them are doing this for the money. <laughs> this is all about power. At smaller levels, I'm sure there's, it's kind of nice to be elected. And if it's hard to get unelected or defeated, then that's kind of a guaranteed income. But I don't know. I don't have any further thoughts. Jacob, if you want to say anything. Well, I think, and I, and I want to phrase this in a way that's not flippant. I mean, I, first of all, I, I think what you said, Doug, was great. My first thought, and it's like, I'm not trying to be flippant or disrespectful to the, to, to the person, but it's like, who would say that? But like, they're saying, well, who are we to judge? It's like, well, the state judges. Like, it's like, you're saying, who are we to judge the state? Like, the state doesn't have that attitude about you. Doesn't have that attitude about the person that they're, people being thrown in jail for nonviolent yeah, drug possessions yeah. or nonviolent crimes. They don't have that opinion about all the innocent women and children and families that they've bombed in the Middle East or the lives being lost in the war in Russia and Ukraine. It's like there's all these instances in which the state is the entity doing the judging and then more than just judging, like committing great acts of violence. We don't yeah. even have to get to, we don't even have to talk about like taxation or Austrian economics or anything to just look at the state and look at the like overt evil they do and be like, okay, like even if you're not going to be a libertarian, like as a Christian, you should, yes, I agree. We shouldn't judge individuals salvation because I think repentance is something God offers to all people. And Saul was going around murdering Christians and then was, you know, yeah, the, yeah, one of the yeah. greatest wrote half the new Testament. So I'm not going to close that door on anyone, but we can certainly like look back and judge Saul at that time and say what he was doing was wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can judge the actions of people and say, this is good or bad. And we should, you know, so the Bible says, pray for your leaders. Right. And I agree with that. I think we should pray for our leaders. We should pray for Joe Biden. We should pray for Kamala Harris. We should pray for Josh Shapiro, our governor here in Pennsylvania. But like, we shouldn't be like, I mean, like we can pray for like, yeah, I hope they're safe and well and I hope they come to know you and it's like also like what would you do for a family member or a friend or like an enemy or someone who was persecuting you when you were praying for them like what wouldn't part of that prayer be like I hope they repent like I hope they they come to to realize the wickedness of like certain yeah. things they're doing or the sin that they're committing and like at the very least like even if you're we could debate how like th there I think there's an interesting debate Christians can have a, about how do we interact with the state? You know what I mean? Like, should yeah. you engage in political action like what we do here at the Mises Caucus? Or should you do something more like LCI? Or should you be isolationist? I don't... I, that Insert is disclaimer that I'm part of a nonprofit and I don't endorse any caucus or any right, political right. view, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> well, I, actually, but, uh, I'll let you finish your thought. I have a possible steel manning of this judge not thing. Right. I mean, all I have to say, like, I think there's there is... There's two parts of us. There is, what do we do towards the state? And then there's, should we judge what they're doing and the actions that the state actors are engaged in as good or bad and have an opinion on it? And I think we can't, like, I think we are definitely called to care about what the state does and to have an opinion on, is it good or is it evil? Is yeah. it supported by the Bible or is yeah. it not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I think I, as we're talking about this, I think the judge not mantra or excuse or whatever you want to call it. I know that I've heard this other way of saying things before. Let me just throw this out there. Is that you have somebody who's like, well, you don't know what they're going through or you don't know what they know or you don't know the stress that they're under in order to perform what they're doing. And they have to compromise in order to get this other bill passed. And they have to like there's all these complicated reasons why politicians will act the way they do. Right. It was actually, it's funny. My wife said, I really want to, I really want to see Ron Paul get in to get to be the president because if he doesn't actually end up pulling the troops out, then I know that there's probably information that the public doesn't know that the president gets to see that's like, like, in other words, if Ron Paul is in office and doesn't pull the troops home, yeah, there's something bigger going on that we just don't know as, as a public. Now, pretty certain that's not really the case because we've had time to tell that, no, that wasn't really the case that Ron Paul pulling the troops home probably would have been just fine. But, the idea that, oh, well, they know more than we do because they're private information or they are dealing with complicated political issues. I forget what the word partisan issues and procedural issues. That's what I'm looking for. I don't think that passes muster. I mean, if we're to call sinners to repentance, how do you not judge or how do you avoid that? Right. And you don't even have to specifically judge a particular person for what they're doing. You could completely leave that up to between them and God. But you have to call people on sin and you have to call people on wickedness and you have to call them on the even the results of their wickedness and maybe move them toward actual repentance, right? To preach the gospel, to preach the good news that God has made Jesus Messiah means that Caesar is no longer Lord, that Caesar is not king. Caesar is not head of life, head of your life. What's that? You're wearing the I know, hat. I can't find the hat. Everybody, <laughs> he's talking about an actual hat that I have that says Jesus and then Caesar's crossed out underneath of it and said, is Lord. I have to order a new one before Freedom Fest because I literally cannot find the hat. I don't even know. I don't know. Maybe it was in left in your car or something when we went to New York. <laughs> I, I don't know. But all that to say, Jesus is Lord, Caesar is not. And to preach the gospel means that your allegiance needs to be to Christ. That you are now, you are putting your faith in Christ you are putting your trust, your allegiance, that is your life in Christ. And that is in conflict with doing the same thing for the state. And so if you're calling people who are in power to do that, now I realize that like you and I, Jacob, are not going to be personally witnessing to Josh Shapiro, our governor. But sorry, I need to get water. Um, a little bit when I'm trolling him on Twitter, but. <laughs> yeah, Josh Shapiro, he rebuild I-95 quickly. Reward. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's, yeah. yeah. Who's going to rebuild the roads that, anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you will see those uh, forest fires. <laughs> no, I know we're not going to be personally witnessing to some of these politicians per se. I mean, I don't even think he would even look at his Twitter account. Like, he's not Donald Trump or Elon Musk who, like, personally does these things on Twitter. But, but you are to have the posture toward politicians and toward everybody that given the opportunity, you will tell them that they need to give Jesus their allegiance and turn from whatever it is that they're worshiping now. But, you know, you don't even have to call them and say, oh, I think you're worshiping the state or I think you're worshiping wealth and power. You could just let that be what the Holy Spirit does for people. Right. So you let God work in that part of their lives. For those listening who are not Christians and don't even really care too much about the words and the verbiage and all of that, just know that the core of the Christian message is that Jesus is king, and that means no other human is king over someone's life. And that is the sort of the crossroads in my mind where libertarianism is the most consistent expression of Christian political thought. Because if we can say that Jesus is Lord, look, I can see an atheist be like, well, I don't believe Jesus is Lord, but I also know that no other person should be king over me. There's our intersection of interest, right? And right. so if you need to convince a Christian that they need to be libertarian, that Christian might be like, well, but God owns everything, which is, I don't like the idea of ownership in that regard because of the way we think of property ownership, but God is king overall. And so that means that we need to make sure more people follow God. Well, okay, fine. That's true. But from my vantage point, we don't do that through the state because Jesus is king. Jesus's way was nonviolent love and serving others. Jesus changed right. people's hearts. He did not take up a sword to conquer his enemies in that way. He used nonviolent means to conquer using his word. So I know that there are Christians out there who don't believe all that or who don't realize they the practical implications of what that means. 
But if you are a person out there who just like, yeah, none of this Christian stuff works for me, or you, yeah, if that's where you are, just know that there are a lot of Christians that need to know that they're being very inconsistent if they want to put their faith in government because their faith cannot be in anything other than Christ if they are a true Christian. So you can call them on it. And if they have any trouble, you can send them faith seeking freedom. Yeah. I'm holding this book up as if it's not on over wherever, over my shoulder well, on my background. <laughs> I don't know why I brought the books if I had the It's faith seeking freedom inception. Yeah. Uh, how could somebody get that book? You can go to faithseekingfreedom.com. If you ordered, you, you can find it on Amazon. If you are able to get a Kindle copy, it's pretty cheap. You can get a physical copy, of course, from Amazon. And you can also order from our website. If you order from our website at faithseekingfreedom.com, we actually get a little bit more money out of it because it's a copy I literally physically pack up and send to you. You'll also get a bookmark where it is Amazon's like, bookmark. are pretty cool. The bookmark yeah. is pretty cool. It's got a quote that I made up. Well, is it thing true for strangers with candy? What's that? Is the same thing true for strangers with candy as far as how to get it? it, it yes. Go to strangerswithcandybook.com. I don't have personal copies yet to send people, as I mentioned earlier. So right now it's just Amazon. The Kindle price is $4.99 at the moment. And the print copy price is $14.99. And that'll stay that way for a little while. I think the launch price of $4.99 on Kindle is going to be about for the next month, basically till after Freedom Fest. Cool. Yeah. Well, speaking of Freedom Fest, you know, the, as we're coming to a close here, because we're running out of time, I did want to briefly here at the end give you an opportunity to talk about Freedom Fest and yeah. what LCI has planned or doing. I know we probably don't want to give too much away, but give a little bit of teaser <laughs> of what we're going to be doing at Freedom Fest and yeah. why people, if they are going to be going or considering going, we're going to be wiping to, the floor clean with nationalists, Jacob. Yeah. Well, actually, someone earlier made a comment about that. They said separate nationalism from statism, which I was yeah, like, oh, that's, yeah. that's an interesting. I can do that in my mind, but most people can't. And yeah, we could just call it patriotism instead, I suppose. No, so we are going to be at Freedom Fest again this year. We were there last year in Vegas in 2022. What we did last year was we had a booth. We didn't just go. We had a booth and we gave out copies of Face Seeking Freedom. So if you want to attend Freedom Fest, you can get a copy of Face Seeking Freedom if you are there at our table early enough because we're going to give some of them out. And we also have things like beer koozies and other... I was just about the word say paraphernalia, but that's probably not a good word to use on this. <laughs> We're going to have all kinds of swag and merch on our table um, that you can take away. And you get to meet us. You can tell me why I'm wrong on this show. And I will say, you know what? Here, talk to Norman. He's going to explain to you why Doug is right. Uh, <laughs> Jacob or something like that, right? No, we're going to have we're going to have a team there. Last year we did a breakout session that was a panel discussion on a whole lot of just libertarian Christian things. This year, we have two things going on. We're sponsoring a main stage event where we will have Norman Horn involved in a panel discussion. This is LCI sponsored panel discussion moderated by Nick Gillespie and involving Rich Lowry and Brian Kaplan. Rich Lowry is from National Review, made a case for nationalism in a book recently, and Norman is also going to be on there taking an opposing position about nationalism. So there's going to be a panel discussion about it. And then we are also going to have a breakout session that is very likely going to be a panel discussion on Christian nationalism and the theological dangers and the antidote, the liberty antidote to Christian nationalism. It is a topic that we've been diving into pretty significantly in 2023 as best to our ability. We have a review out of the most, in fact, it just came out this week, of the most popular Christian nationalism book right now by a guy named Stephen Wolf. We wrote a rebuttal to it, did some episodes or an episode about it. So we have a lot of anti-Christian nationalism content out there, and there's a whole lot to be said for that. But if you want to meet me in person, or I mean, even if you don't want to meet me in person, you want to meet Jacob in person, or you want to meet somebody else from our team in person, it's in Memphis this year. So for those of us in Pennsylvania, it's not that far. Maybe if you can, you know, I think Jacob and his family are driving there. So maybe you could like rent a trailer and hook it to his car and just hang out in the trailer and he'll just bring you to Freedom Fest. <sighs> well, I did just rebuild my transmission, so maybe it'll... Be maybe that'll work, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did you optimize your transmission for heavier? Yeah, yeah going? a little, a little bit, but because <laughs> you wasn't, wasn't with that plan in mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. cool. Well, we're, yeah, well, that'll do. So definitely, if you guys watching now or in the audio stream later haven't bought tickets for Freedom Fest and you're on the fence, maybe the fact that you'll be able to see us and 
attend one of those or both of those sessions would yeah. be enticing. So definitely check that out. Doug, really appreciate you coming on. We're pretty much out of time. Are there any closing plugs or any closing thoughts that you want to give, you know, or uh, about, I mean, you already plugged the books pretty extensively. But I plugged the books, but you know what I didn't plug is the fact that we are a, well, I mentioned it, that we're a 501c3 nonprofit. And here's the thing about that. And I don't like to ask people for money, but I'm going to do it because we have a really, really important mission and we're a 501c3. So it's tax, you get a tax write-off. We have a really important mission. And if that mission doesn't get accomplished, you're going to have a whole lot of Christians get get tied into nationalism or progressive wokeism. Okay, so we're the alternative to those. We're the best alternative to those. And so by supporting us, you get to help us make more content. We already create really, really great content because we don't put out content just to put out content. We put out content that we're very proud of. And so we want to build that. So by supporting LCI at whatever level it seems necessary for you and, and you're capable of is great. We are also doing something I don't want to call it an initiative per se, but it is somewhat that, that for those people who donate $20 a month, they commit, they go to our libertarianchristians.com slash donate, they sign up for $20 a month, or they donate and they do a recurring donation of $20 a month. I will send them copies, two copies of Facing Freedom. They will get a strong copy of Strangers with Candy. We will call them an LCI insider and you will get free eBooks every month. You will also get a free lapel pin that Jacob's not wearing, I don't think although you should be. I guess I'm not wearing it either, so I can't blame you either. It's a lapel pin that has the Christ is King symbol, which is on the front of the book for those watching. A handful of things. And you will also be part of our, we call it a tribe, we call it a group, but you will be part of the insider team that gets to meet every quarter. At some point, we're going to do this where it'll be on a monthly basis, but you get to sort of get an inside peek at what LCI is up to and give us feedback and insight into what you'd like to see as well. So, libertarianchristians.com slash donate. We're a nonprofit. I don't know, maybe some, I don't know how big your audience is, guys, but like there, there might be a lot of Christians out there in Pennsylvania who would love to support us. And here's what's really cool. Because we're in Pennsylvania, Matt Bellis is in Pennsylvania, Jacob's in Pennsylvania, and Norman frequently travels up this way and hangs out at my place. So we can get together and have like powwows about how to take over the state and leave it alone. Yeah, and then almost set Matt on fire with the bonfires that we <laughs> drink around. Uh, <laughs> true story. <laughs> yes, that's I true. I see enough fire just driving through Philadelphia. Although there's a burn ban now, at least in my area, there's a burn ban, so we wouldn't be able to do that. But <laughs> Oh, man. Well, thanks very much, Doug. Great talking to you again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks, this Doug. It's been great. Alvin. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll be back again next week with another episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast. If you liked today's episode, we encourage you to rate us on Apple Podcasts to help expand our audience. If you want to reach out to us, email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. You can also reach us at LCI Official on Twitter. And of course, we are on Facebook and have an active group you are welcome to join. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Libertarian Christian Podcast is a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, a registered 501c3 nonprofit. If you'd like to find out more about LCI, visit us on the web at libertarianchristians.com. The voiceovers are by Matt Bellis and Catherine Williams. As of episode 115, our audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com. Thank you.